I am Jonathan Jackson. I'm here with Chase McCarthy. How are you doing, Chase? I'm doing great, John. Yeah, so uh, we're together. We are Ember Weekend, and we like to talk about newsy type things and uh, also stuff. We should start saying, like, uh, we should start saying, with our powers combined. With our power, yeah, like, yeah, totally. Or some sort of activation, Wonder Twins kind of thing. Um, this is episode 62. Uh, we're broadcasting out of uh, Hash Rocket HQ. We're here at the beach. I'm actually uh, looking at the beach. I, I Luckily, I've moved out into the main room so I can see the beach from here. Uh, Chase, I'm, however, is in a dark, dark storage closet, essentially. With a, with a 3D printer. So oh, that's got a 3D I'm, printer, though. That's pretty, I win. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I, I definitely approve of that. Uh, and this, this week's episode is called Game change set match so the first thing we're going to talk about today is a talk by brian cartarella about progressive web apps uh the past uh, i don't know it's been like two weeks or three weeks that i've been really diving into it maybe um right after we did our training uh, our training was kind of during the google io thing and progressive web apps were like the thing that people were talking about and i started getting really excited about this and uh, i don't think i'm the only one uh brian uh from dockyard has uh has been going around giving this talk about progressive web apps. And the thing I like about it most is that he comes at it from a different angle than I do. So I was focusing, I actually did a similar presentation um, for hash rocket employee people just for like a lunch and learn kind of thing. Uh, and, uh, and I was focusing on the, how, like, how do you do this thing? Like how, and you know, what, what are the new technologies and what are the new, what's, what's, what are the APIs and where are the specs and how can I find more information about how to do this thing? And he approaches it from more of a why perspective, which I think is way more powerful and more persuasive. Um, he came at it with the idea that, uh, you know, why would you like what what's possible kind of like kind of like a loose overview of like what we can do now. But why would you want to do this over native development? Why would you why are progressive web apps exciting to people? And uh, the answer is that it's just more economical. It's um you know, it's the same kind of transition we're, we're seeing uh, eventually. This We're going to see the same transition that we saw uh, desktop apps take where it used to be that you would download something like an email client like Outlook and it would be on your desktop and that's how you did it. And now, I mean, that seems not always outdated. I mean, obviously there's great use cases uh, to, uh, to, to have desktop applications, but by and large, you can do all these things uh, in the web, on the web, and it's faster, better experience, and it's just an all-around really good experience. So I think we're seeing progressive web apps kind of step in and try to really compete with native, with offline access and uh, caching, and uh, basically just really fine-tune control over the network layer and background sync. Um, I don't know. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, service workers are really interesting. Um, I really want to dive in and uh, get some of this uh, maybe pulled in Ember Weekend. That'd be awesome to uh, kind of augment our fast boot stuff now and have some offline support. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm still, I think uh, you and I have talked about this before, but we're thinking about different user interactions that you can do. Something like if you could find a way to store an MP3, we can actually say, oh, hey, uh, we can put this in your download queue or we can we can say, hey, we'll cache this one episode for you and you can you know listen to it offline. Uh, and have an actual user interaction where it'll say like, oh, I want to listen to this later. And you click a button that triggers the cache. And when it's done, we send a message saying, hey, you're ready to go offline. And you can just turn it off. The app still continues to work. And then you can listen to the episode. Um, that would be such an amazing experience. And uh, that's the kind of the, that's that's the kind of experiences that we're, ex we're we're like exploring now with progressive web applications. Uh, having an having a actual uh, icon on your home screen so it feels more native. Uh, it's kind of like a first-class citizen instead of, you know, just um, 
you know, just navigating to a website. Um, it's it's going to be really exciting. And yeah, bringing it to Ember Weekend would be really cool. I have a lot of other uh, other ideas around where I kind of want to see uh, some demo apps go. Um, but I mean, it's definitely worth uh, worth checking out this this talk. It's great. It has a uh, it has some really awesome uh, inter interstitial uh, animations and gifs about I want to say like sharks or something. Um, I laughed a few times. Dinosaurs. That's what it was. There was a big dinosaur. Uh, it's good stuff. So. Yeah, look for that. That's uh, and it's it was actually recorded. Um, the recording is actually a little bit. Uh, there's a little bit of a noise gate thing going on, so you'll want to pull up the YouTube video and also the slides so that you can kind of make sure that you're referencing it because the audio kind of cut out uh, in and out a little bit. Um, but it's definitely watchable and it was a really great talk. So I'm excited about it. So now we're going to talk about uh, data down actions down. Wait, I think that's right. Um, yeah, this is a blog post by Jacob Neshiel. And uh, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna link to it, and it's kind of talking about a different kind of pattern that you might find yourself uh, needing to reach for, uh, and it uses uh, Ember Evented. Uh, Chase, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, you know, Ember's action model is designed to uh, basically now curry actions around, uh, you know, package them up in little closures, uh, you know, move them around to the places where they need to be triggered, and, and trigger them there without any real knowledge of the surrounding context. Um, and this was more about um, what happens when you have maybe some like window level event you have to capture, like spacebar tapping or arrow keys or enter. And you want to get those down into the components that need to care about them. But they, um, the concerns are not just about what happens to them. It's about what happens to you know, maybe the one after them. So he, the example he gives in this blog is like you have a to-do list. And when you're, you know, you're highlighting one to-do, if you hit the arrow key, the next to-do should be highlighted, um, which means that basically the 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 list itself is the thing listening for the the, the key downs. Um, but then when you do something like you tap enter, now the to do needs to become like in edit mode or something so you can edit the description. And it was about how to kind of get that effect and how it's a little difficult in Ember. There's, you know, some some other concerns you have to do, but you can make it really easy by using something like Ember Evented uh, to basically uh, dispatch events or trigger events uh, in the places where, you know, where the event happens and, and kind of send them to like directly into the component uh, that cares about them. Yeah. And use like a message bus to kind of like, you know, receive messages and react accordingly in different parts of the system. I, I think this is a really great uh, pattern, but should be used very cautiously. Um, it's not in the, in the blog post goes into a little bit more depth and why and when you might want to use it. Um, it is a very powerful technique. Uh, evented programming can be great, uh, but it also has uh, a lot of risks. So, um, you know, take it with a with a grain of salt. You know, sometimes it'll be a good a good solution, but generally you probably want to stick with data downs actions up. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I I definitely like appreciate this. I think you and I have talked about uh, different ways that you can handle like his specific scenario, where you know, like anytime someone comes up with a, a good example of uh, a way to do a programming uh, solution or a different style or uh, maybe even a paradigm, you can come up with all these ways where, oh, I could do it this way, or I could do something different to kind of fit this this mold. But um, you could always do that. I think it's a really great illustration of, uh, of a situation where you might want to reach for it. Um, I think we were talking about using like the hash helper and some other things to to do something a little bit different. But um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's definitely worth a read. Uh, and we will make sure to link to that. And it's going to be awesome. Next up, we wanted to mention a add-on that's recently been developed by Lauren Tan, uh, actually a pair of add-ons called Ember Change Set and Ember Change Set Validations. If you have any experience with Elixir and Ecto, uh, these are similar to the change sets you'd find 
uh, into basically the, the database model that they have that wraps the changes you make to a model before it gets saved to the database and does some validations. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, I having a, so, so the back end of Ember Weekend is actually written in Elixir and uh, I didn't actually get to dive too deeply into it. Chase, you did most of the work there. Uh, this was still uh, really cool to see like the paradigms coming from that ecosystem kind of being pulled over here. And uh, kind of just to give you an overview of, uh, of how this, this works, I think of it like an Ember buffered proxy where uh, say you're on a page and you have like a username up in the top right and then you allow that user to update their, their name via an account page. Well, you, you don't want as they're typing for that to update. So you, you hand the form object, the thing that is actually bound to the bound, uh, two way bound to the, uh, input helper, you bind that to a buffered object and that buffered object, uh, doesn't actually apply the change to the underlying wrapping, the, the wrapped object until you tell it to. And, uh, very similar Ember change that works this way. It basically allows you to do that buffered proxy thing, but it also adds an additional functionality where you can pass a validator. Um, and this validator function allows you to basically say, don't make the change unless the change is a valid change, a change that's allowed to be, uh, you know, performed. And that means that your underlying model, it's really difficult to put that underlying, uh, POJO or uh, DS model or whatever. Uh, put that into a state that is invalid or unready to be saved uh, without without triggering validation. So you you actually can't change the 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 underlying object. This ends up like really making things kind of simple. Uh, and since they're change sets, since they're individual change sets, and we're going to talk about some of the different APIs, uh, you can actually kind of compose these to allow different uh, sections or different types of uh, forms act differently. And the example in the README is like an employee form. Uh, wraps a user object, uh, but so does an admin user, but they might have very different validations um, depending on certain things. So uh, it's a really cool idea to basically treat these things as like their own independent unit units and become more agnostic to the data layer. And uh, we had a call with Lauren over the weekend to talk about this um, and, you know, get a little more information. And, uh, you know, one of the big highlights uh, that she said was that uh, these uh, validators are just pure functions. They're uh, not computed properties like have been implemented in other uh, validation libraries, um, and because of that, they're they're just really simple. You know, they're I guess you know really easy to test. Uh, they're you know, and I think this is one of the this is kind of a side effect of one somebody being really into Elixir, but also it's it's kind of like pointing at like where Ember's headed. A lot of Ember is becoming much more functional, um, where you have you know just completely pure functions like components themselves. Ideal components are pure purely functional. The same input always generates the same output. And that seems to be something that uh, Ember is really embracing. Uh, and this is, I think, a, a really good thing. Uh, so those, like the, in the case of even the validator itself, the whole validator function is just takes in, I think it's like the old value, the new value or something, and you return a Boolean. And um, and that's just super simple. You're just like, can I change this key to this other thing? And, you know, you just return true or false, and it's going to work. Uh you know, there's a companion library to this that you released uh, that we mentioned called Ember Change Set Validations. And basically what that does is that you can give the thing in a, a validation object that has each of the keys already like defined as a, you know, this one property can change this way. Like it has to have a minimum length or it's required or something like that. It's mentioned in the readme uh, that there's some future work to be done on like matchers and things like that. Yeah. And some of the benefits of this are, you know, since they're pure functions, they're easier to test. 
um, you can memoize error states. So Chase, I think you you mentioned this uh, actually at the uh, the Ember show that um, say you give the same input two or three times. Well, there's a, it's very unlikely. It would be almost it'd be very weird if if uh, the same input that once was invalid is going to suddenly become valid. I mean, you'd have to have a very strange uh, validator. Uh, you could probably memoize that and say, okay, well, we'll just short circuit and we won't have to do any expensive uh, validation. And we could just say, nope, we know this is invalid because it's already been tried and it's invalid. Uh, so you can do some interesting things there. Yeah, definitely. And uh, there's a lot of other uh, cool parts of the API. I think one of the ones we really found interesting was the the merge that you, you already mentioned where you're able to you know, like smash two sets of validations together, uh, which means they can they can work independently. You can commit and save those things independently, but they can also you can smash them together and call, you know, commit once and they do all of them together. Um, those other two things I was mentioning, commit and save, those are basically the way that you say uh, take this uh, set of changes and apply them to the underlying model. Um, and that underlying model can be uh, any POJO, um, it could be an Ember data model, or it can be something like an Orbit model. Yeah, yeah, and and going back to the merge, like what we what we were thinking of like how to use this or how to like frame it for us was we have a you know a form that has a, a user uh, and the user you want to be able to edit the first name and last name but then you also want to be able to edit their address well these two things can kind of work independently maybe you toggle this and it's like if it's toggled we we want to allow them to set these fields and if it's not toggled we don't um, well you can actually have both of these validators receive their own change set and then only when the submit button is clicked will you actually take change set A and merge it with change set B to create change set C and that'll actually allow you to save the, like all of the changes at one at one time uh, or commit them all to the underlying object yeah and uh, and Lauren also mentioned to us uh, that the um, the error state is actually calculated like on input so when you're when as those things are changing uh, whatever basically changes the underlying change set, um, the error state is being calculated. So you'll always have this this errors object that will have the current set of errors. So if you wanted to like render some template that th that's those errors or maybe uh, show something next to the field if there's a certain error of a certain key, um, as you're typing, those things would be updating as long as you're updating the change set um, and you can bind those things. Uh, but there are no there are no computed properties on your actual validations. Those are those things are actually happening because the change set itself uh, got triggered. So that's oh, man. pretty cool. I'm just thinking that now we've we've missed an opportunity at an amazing uh, title because I remember when we were on the call with Lauren, she said no CPs were harmed in the making of this add-on, and that would have been a really good title. No CPs were harmed. No CPs were harmed. We, uh, you know, opportunities missed. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sad. But uh, anyways, yeah. So uh, I think this is an awesome, uh, awesome add-on, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. It's still kind of in the early stages, but she is using it on a a production app or. I believe she said a production app. I'm not 100% on that. Um, so it is going to keep moving forward, but it's it's probably a, it's at the stage right now where there's probably still some edge cases that might be helpful if you have some edge cases that you can put this add-on in front of and and put some issues out there. I bet that would be really really helpful for the for the add-on. And uh, I think some future work uh, that uh, she mentioned on the call was uh, verifying that relationships work correctly, um, so that. She, she was under the assumption that they would work, but just basically do some testing and make sure that, you know, different at various cases work and maybe writing some tests in for that. And then uh, also maybe something like server-side validations, returning a promise so that you can validate the change set uh, and get server-side validations, like for uniqueness, uh, for instance, um, where you really can't do that on client um, very easily um, would be, would be, theoretically possible so these are the these are the kind of things where that's probably where the the add-on is going to push into a little bit more 
advanced stuff. Um, but all in all, I think this is an awesome add-on. And once again, it reminds me a lot of Ember Buffered Proxy, which we'll also link to. And uh, just it's a, it's exciting because I like I said like I said I see the use cases for these sort of things, and I'm excited to see more and more of other ecosystems really helping Ember kind of create new ideas. It's pretty cool. So the last thing we want to mention is that Wicked Get Ember is coming up, and uh, that's going to be amazing. We're going to be there, so hope to see you there. Uh, but also there is a contributor workshop happening uh, that's hosted by Matthew Beal and uh, 201 Created. So if you're there, it's only like $10. So, you know, uh, you ha- the, the one kind of stipulation is uh, you have to be there the day before um, and you have to be staying on the island because it runs until 10 p.m. Um, so the boat, the last boat, I think, leaves before that. Um, so you won't be able to do it if you're not staying on the island. So uh, check it out. Uh, hope you see you around. Yeah, really excited about Wicked Good. So this is going to be really exciting. Yeah, so thanks for listening. Uh, we are Ember Weekend. Once again, I am Jonathan Jackson and I'm here with Chase McCarthy. And, uh, you know, uh, we really appreciate you listening. It's, it's always great to have, uh, have back and forth and answer questions. So if you guys have, uh, any questions for us, uh, reach out to us on Twitter. We're, uh, we're there on, uh, <laughs> we're, we're there all the time. I always have it on my phone. Uh, so ping us at, uh, Ember weekend, all one word on Twitter. Yeah. And we put a ton of work into a, uh, you know, like we said, a backend that hosts all of the, the, um, show notes and everything that we put together each week. Uh, so don't forget, you know, visit the website, check it out. It's also everything we do is uh, fully open source. So check out the Ember Weekend uh, GitHub page. There's a couple examples now of like uh, how the admin panel works. I think the Elixir one's up there, the website. And now we also have a chat example in Elixir that ties in with a chat front end. So there's a ton of stuff for you to check out. Um, so most of the stuff we talk about, we end up rolling in some way into one of the those projects. So check it out. Yeah, definitely. And you can also uh, subscribe to us via RSS. I think iTunes right now, we're having some difficulty uh, trying to get our podcast back on iTunes after a uh, image sizing issue, uh, but we're working on that. But if not, you can go to uh, emberweekend.com slash feed.xml and just put that into your podcast uh, reader and it will uh, it will show up. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that's it. We'll be back next week with episode 63. Wow, man, it's, we're getting up there. Yeah. You're getting old.